0: our devices and our technology still lets pass through all of that visible light energy that we know is color. So to me and you, yeah, our windows look completely transparent and that's because all that visible light is going right through it, but that non-visible light energy is being captured and harnessed and converted into useful electricity. And so that's how it's different.
1: Welcome to This Sustainable Life, solve for nature. Our guests are the heroes that are working to save our world from climate change, pollution, and the destruction of our natural world. We hear their stories and solutions, and then offer them a chance to take on a challenge to make their own lives more joyful and fulfilling by exploring their values. We focus on awareness of the environment and action. Join us in building a community dedicated to living better, sustainably. Viral Hardev is the VP of Strategy at Ubiquitous Energy. He has over a decade of experience commercializing novel nanomaterial products for the electronics industry. Why is that important? Because Ubiquitous Energy and the group of MIT and MSU scientists that started it are looking for new ways to reduce humanity's carbon footprint by seamlessly integrating solar power technology into everyday products and surfaces. But simply, solar panels that you can't tell are solar panels. Things like windows that produce electricity. Ubiquitous Energy has the world's leading transparent solar technology. It converts light into electricity using semiconducting materials, all while staying totally transparent. Such a cool technology that I'm excited to hear a lot more about. So let's get into it with Viral out. Viral, how are you? Doing great, Eugene. Thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. It's actually been really, really warm here in Hawaii. And for me as a guy who's originally from San Francisco, it's, it's a little too hot for me. Once it starts to get a little humid, I'm just like, this is not me. Oh, it's so hot. I'm used to having to carry around a sweater all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And you're in, you're in California as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Not too, not too far from where you're talking about San Francisco. So yeah, right in the Bay area. So definitely know what you mean when you when you mean whenever you get out take a little light jacket or light sweater because it's uh for people those people who don't know or not familiar it's it's deceiving right it's always nice and sunny looks great but especially when you get up to like especially San Francisco the wind can come in and the temperature can drop pretty quickly even just within a matter of a a little distance right
1: yeah, definitely. Yeah. Out here in Hawaii, you know, I'll occasionally get the question, Oh, you're from San Francisco. So do you do like surfing or that kind of thing? I'm like, no, I don't go in the ocean. It's, it's, it's freezing cold and they're yeah. big sharks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You definitely need a wetsuit. Yeah, for sure. definitely. All right. Um, you are the VP of strategy at ubiquitous energy. First of all, to start off, maybe, could you just tell us a little bit about what is ubiquitous energy?
0: Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Yeah. So Ubiquitous Energy, we're, we're, we're a company that's developing what we call a transparent solar technology.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And to us, what that really means is, you know, being it, we, we've created a novel solar technology or solar device that, like the like the name says, is transparent. And so to, to our human eye, it looks like there's nothing there, but it's still functional in, in terms of, you know, working just like a traditional solar panel does. But it just looks transparent.
1: So we're you're just talking about a solar panel that just looks like a panel of glass, basically.
0: Exactly right. Yeah, exactly right. And and I don't know if you can see this, but in the in the image behind me here, in my background, these are windows that we've actually created uh, with our transparent solar technology. So they look like just traditional windows, but there are actually also solar panels, you know, producing renewable energy.
1: Really? Yeah, I was actually wondering about that, because I guess for the listeners, they won't actually be able to hear it. But yeah, you've got just a whole bunch of like, it just looks like windows. You've just got a bunch of windows behind you. Exactly, exactly. That's crazy. Okay, and I want to get more into those. But first, let's talk about what you do there at Ubiquitous Energy.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we're still a fairly small company. And so, um, you know, title is uh, VP of strategy. But, you know, to me personally, that just means... You know, it can mean anything. It just means a lot of things, uh, especially you know, given where we are and, and in our in our quest to get our technology, you know, broadly adopted, you know, out to the you know market globally. So you know, I I head up a lot of our activities around um, you know commercialization efforts, how we're going to get this technology out to the market, um, which markets, working with partners. Uh, so doing a lot with partnerships and potential customers. Um, and then and then really helping to work with our you know. Our internal team, uh, mostly the, the technical team to kind of, to make sure, you know, we're actually developing and going to make, create something that's going to meet, um, you know, general requirements and kind of what we think, you know, either people will want or customers will want and, and, and really hopefully desire and then trying to balance all that. Right. Um, and so, yeah, um, you know, I have a technical background, but, um, you know, I've done, a, I'm doing more, uh, I would say kind of marketing business development you know communication efforts and those kind of things and so so uh yeah you know a lot of different things but you know just just I would just consider myself you know one person as part of this team that, that we have here that's you know uh, a, a tremendous tremendous team really smart people you know we can talk about a little bit but uh, you know I, I'm just I'm actually I'll count my blessings because I'm pretty fortunate to work with the people I work with and it and they you know inspired me to kind of to to, to kind of you know, make sure that we can do whatever we can to get this technology, you know, out to the market, because it's so we think it has such a tremendous uh, potential impact.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it looks so cool. Like, it's, it's so cool that just behind you, it just looks like windows, but they're solar panels. And this is not just, you know, something that you're developing in a lab somewhere, you're actually selling these, and these are actually available on the market for people to buy right now.
0: Yeah, no, good question, Eugene. So we are still I would say in the very advanced stages of development they're not I wouldn't say they're commercially available for purchase yet but we're, we're making them you know we're manufacturing them and really uh, the stage we're at is you know we can make uh, these windows with, like we call them test size windows um, they're kind of small for most commercial you know uh, needs um, they're roughly about two square feet in total area so you know kind of like a I call it like test size or baby window um, but it's good enough for us to basically prove out our technology, you know, in all phases, in terms of the way it looks, uh, the way it performs, and, you know, the the way that it could actually be installed as a window and last as long as traditional windows do. And so, you know, what we're doing now is is really uh, building up to our uh, first high volume manufacturing line, where we'll be able to produce and manufacture really large size windows. And so that process takes a couple of years, you know, you know that we're away from, But in a couple of years, uh, this technology will be available, you know, commercially on the market, both for, you know, buildings, uh, uh, sorry, for windows for buildings and windows for residential as well.
1: Wow. So you actually see people installing these in their homes.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah. We've actually done a number of, we call them pilot installation projects. Um, So obviously like this image behind me at our facility here in California, but we've done a handful of other ones or probably up to 10 now, uh, kind of around the world now, actually, you know, we started out mostly in California, but we have partners kind of across the country where we've installed our windows into their buildings. Some have, you know, different needs. Some are, are doing a little bit more kind of development R&D work together with us. Some are more just like a commercial, you know, commercial office building, a couple of other demonstrations. And I know you have a, you have some history back in Japan and we've actually installed some windows in, in a, one of our partners in Tokyo as well. So we're worldwide now. <laughs>
1: wow. That's so cool. I mean, I guess the first thing that comes to my mind is like, I tend to wonder how do they measure up against regular solar panels like my by feel I feel like there's no way that these can be as efficient as regular solar panels but I don't know can they come close or maybe they are.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, great question. You know, you're exactly right. There is a trade off we're making, right? And so if you kind of take a step back and think about the physics uh, of our technology, start with traditional solar technology. The way that traditional solar technology works, like, you know, silicon panels, is it tries to absorb as much of the lights of the sunlight's uh, light energy spectrum. And so, you know, you can typically break up that light spectrum or that solar energy spectrum into kind of three main categories. One is ultraviolet, which is kind of high energy, you know, UV rays, you know, you always hear about like, you know, when you, when you're out in the sun too much, you know, put on sunscreen and stuff, it's, sure. it's a kind of more high energy part of the solar spectrum. It, it's also non-visible, you know, we can't see the human eye, can't see ultraviolet light. Then there's the visible light, you know, the light energy we can see that we know is color, right? All the way from, you know, red to, or, or sorry, blue to all the way to red and infrared. And then on the on the tail end, uh, lower energy is infrared infrared uh, energy, which also we cannot see, but we kind of typically know a lot about it because we, we know it as solar heat. So you have these three main categories. And so these traditional technologies, all they've really been trying to do is maximize all this light energy that they can actually capture and then convert into useful electricity. So, you know, the challenge ha- uh, has been not so much and, you know, how to do this, but finding materials that can maximize Right, capturing all of that light energy. And then you could basically, you know, the theory then is obviously you could then maximize the amount of energy you can create from sunlight. Now, the challenge is if you want to create something transparent, you can't use a lot of these conventional technologies like silicon because they're absorbing all of that visible light. And so to make those kind of technologies transparent, you would basically thin down that material and that kind of that kind of device so much that you're not left with any material. So that's the only way to make it transparent. So that's not a very effective, you know, solar technology or solar panel. So what we've done is we call it, we've redesigned the solar cell. So we're only absorb, our technology is only absorbing light energy from the non-visible parts of the spectrum. What we can't see, right? So the ultraviolet and infrared, but our devices and our technology still lets pass through all of that visible light energy that we know is color. So to me and you, yeah, our windows look completely transparent. And that's because all that visible light is going right through it. But that non-visible light energy is being captured and harnessed and converted into useful electricity. And so that's how it's different. And so then you might say, well, drill, I get that, but that means the traditional technology like silicon is gonna be more efficient. And the answer is yes, it is gonna be more efficient because again, we're making this trade-off right on purpose we're letting pass through that visible light energy right. so we can create something that's transparent. Now we can still make something that's pretty effective. And to give you like a, a, an example or, or a comparison, you know, most of these traditional technologies, let's call them, uh, you know, in the range of 18 to 20%, let's just pick 20% as a nice round number. That's their efficiency level, right? So that means, you know, if there's a hundred units of light energy coming from the sunlight, 20 units of that is actually converted into useful electricity. Mm-hmm. On our hand, since we're not absorbing the visible light, we can be about as two thirds as good as a traditional technology. So two thirds of 20% is, you know, roughly 12 to 13% efficiency. So, you know, it's a little bit of a trade-off but we think it's one well worth making because of all the different areas. Now you can apply solar technology, right? Now, as opposed to just, you know, solar farms and rooftop, you can think about windows, You can think about other applications like automotive, you know, windows for cars. You can think about uh, farming, agriculture, greenhouses. You can think about even consumer electronics integrating into displays because again, it's transparent. So there's a number of applications that we're really excited about when you start to think like, what if you had a technology like this? Where could you put it? And the answer we always say is, wherever you see sunlight, we can put it almost, right? And so that's what's really, really exciting.
1: That is really cool. That's actually a much higher number than I was expecting. Because I was thinking, yeah, as you described it, talking about that trade-off of lo- losing a huge part of that visible light spectrum. Yeah, I was thinking like, okay, you were going to come back with maybe like, you know, half the efficiency of, of a regular solar panel or, or even less. But you actually get that much.
0: Yeah, I mean theoretically, um, and our team has written some papers, academic, uh, you know, peer-reviewed papers on this. You, you know, a little bit more in the company's early history. The company's, we'll get into this, uh, about ten years old. It came out of MIT, but we've uh, the papers we've written shows that the theoretical maximum is actually close to 21, 22 percent efficiency. So you can actually get a completely one hundred percent transparent solar device to be that efficient. That's that's theoretical, right? And so practically, we think that. We can still actually get to 12 to 15 percent uh, efficiency, which again, you know, we think is pretty compelling for almost any application.
1: Yeah, and and you mentioned a number of applications there. That was actually one of the other questions that I was going to ask you later on that you that you already answered for me. That was like when I first thought about this, I was thinking, where could you put these? I mean, the obvious answer is yeah, windows on buildings and houses. But I started to think, yeah, I don't know, could you put them in a car? Could you put it in a cell phone? Would it even be cost effective to do so
0: yeah yeah definitely I mean yeah it's a great question on the cost effectiveness as you can imagine that's a question we get quite a bit right oh this sounds so great what's the catch right you know and so you know for us it there's really no catch right we really firmly believe this is a technology that only has benefits there's no real things that we're given up on and so you know from a cost standpoint that has to be the case too, because our vision really is for this technology to be broadly and globally adopted. You know, we don't really see this technology as being like, hey, this is only going to be used for like, you know, high end applications or like aerospace, you know, space type applications, right? We really firmly believe this technology can be really broadly and globally deployed and in an economical manner. And and by that, I, you know, I can give you a, a quick reference, um, you know, a window that we're producing, like the ones behind me, you know, on a larger size, is really only going to be in that 10 to 30% cost addition uh, versus a traditional window. So if you have a traditional window, let's say it costs $100, our window with our transparent solar technology is going to cost in the range of 110 to $130. It's not that expensive, right? And so, and then all the benefit that you get off of it in terms of uh, a really nice energy efficient window in terms of energy savings, uh, but also the renewable energy you're able to create, it's a pretty compelling you know, financial uh, value as well.
1: Yeah, I feel like costs, that cost addition number being so low, they have to kind of pay themselves off in a relatively yeah, short amount of time, right?
0: That's exactly right, and, and you know, that's one thing that's, again, super important for us uh, because we want this technology to be so broadly adopted. Again, you know, we don't want this just to be for, you know, when you think about buildings, we don't want this, you know, even though it will probably start to some degree in these buildings that are like, you know, like a landmark or the, you know, brand name buildings, we want this to be in every building. You know, we're actually even doing, we're going to start doing some projects with disadvantaged communities to install our technology into windows into disadvantaged communities you know that's pretty important for us because in another thread and we can get into this on the sustainability side you know equity is a big is is a, is a big thing with sustainability going forward right and we really firmly believe that our solution is not only a sustainable solution but it's actually an equitable sustainable solution which is really important as well
1: yeah oh man that's really cool there are just so many things that I want to ask now hearing about this. There's so many things in there that I want to that I want to pick at. I mean, I guess one of the first things that I want to address is one of the first concerns that comes into my head when I think like, okay, I would want to buy these and put these in my house. Yeah, It wouldn't just be replacing a window. I would also need to be running things like power lines to every window in my house now, right? It, it, to me, it starts to feel like, oh, wait, hold on. Doing that could mean that this is going to be a bigger project than just replacing windows.
0: Yeah, really good question, Eugene. So we've actually, believe it or not, thought about that, right? So we actually think there's a couple of different actual window products that we're going to be manufacturing, and it'll be a little bit different for you know windows for homes, like for residential use versus a windows for like commercial or office building or kind of skyscraper use. So starting on the residential side, you know, we really believe in this concept of this emerging, um, not, you know, depending on who you talk to, they'll say it's emerging, but I don't think it's so emerging, you know, this concept of like a smart home, right, where now you have like a smart thermostat, like a nest, you might have like a smart, you know, camera system and and doorbell like a ring, right? And so we think of our windows as being just another extension of this, you know, smart home kind of ecosystem or platform. And so for the residential use, we're actually thinking there's actually going to be no external wiring. Our window is going to be, just look like a traditional window, like it visually looks like, but there's not going to be any external wiring. And what we're going to be doing actually with the power and energy we're generating is we're going to be driving features and functions right at the window. And so these are things like, you know, think about like sensors, IOT devices, you know, embedding security cameras, motion detection right into the window so that you don't have these external wiring. And then of course you can do all this communication back to whether it's your smart home hub, whether it's like Google, Alexa, Apple, whatever you may have, it's going to be all wireless communication. And so we really like this concept because one of the things that we've learned, and we've done some market research around this as well, is you know what are people most concerned about you know where they live in their home? Mm-hmm. Typically, it's two most things. it's security and it's lighting control. And so when we look at windows, windows have such a great opportunity to provide better lighting control and security, right? So now imagine like you have, if you have or you don't have a security system at home, what if now all of your windows could be connected to a security system that either exists or a new one, because every window could have a camera, every window could have motion detection. So like you'll actually, it's it, it's kind of like an extension of your perimeter's kind of security system, right? In a way, right. but that's not the only thing it can do, right? It can do things like power your motorized blinds or shading, right? Um, without needing other power, right? And so- that's a different kind of product concept that we're working on. And pretty soon we're going to announce that we're going to be working with one of the largest uh, residential window makers in the country, in the United States, a really big brand and we're really excited. And so um, really excited about that kind of product for the residential market. But then on the wiring side, we think it makes a lot more sense on the commercial side, right? Like when you think about office buildings, because one of the things that we thought about is, When you look at the different types of windows that exist right like building for the windows for your home right Mm -hmm. most people don't actually have a lot of window area in their home right relatively compared to like an office building or like a skyscraper right so much more glass and window space especially on the vertical surface Mm -hmm. and so there we really think you know our technology is is going to work in either case but with more surface area, that means we can apply our technology to more area. We're going to generate more absolute power, and so now we're going to be starting to generate so much power that we're going to like we're going to need to power other things. We can power all these sensors, all these devices, security cameras right at the window, but we can power so much more. And so there, then for the commercial building use and you know office buildings, skyscrapers, it makes sense to actually wrap, route wi- electrical wiring almost like a traditional solar system so either you can offset energy consumption you know somewhere else in the building or you could even net meter it and you know sell it back to the grid or sell it back to utility you know as you see fit as the building owner or whoever owns that building sees fit
1: wow that is so cool so yeah yeah i definitely get that that makes a lot of sense that in a building like a big i don't know skyscraper with windows covering a whole side of the building just you could run wires there much easier than you could through a house for just a couple of windows so in that situation you guys are actually thinking about like integrating batteries and things into the windows then that's right right.
0: that's right exactly right with with any kind of renewable energy you know technology you've got to think about storage and you know that's one of the things that you know we talk to some people about and they're like oh yeah, but you know, have you guys thought about this? And we're like, yes, we thought about this because you know what? The sun is not always shining, you know, at night. It's not shining. So our solar technology, like every other solar technology is not going to be produced in renewable energy. So, you know, what can we do? But what we can do is integrate energy storage right into the window, whether it's, you know, a series of small, you know, batteries or things like that. You know, just think about like the batteries that are like in your consumer electronic devices, right? Like in your cell phone and your wearable devices and stuff like that. So imagine we're just embedding those things kind of hiding it somewhere in the window. And so when you have those days, either where you don't have a lot of sunlight that's being exposed to the window and we're not generating that much energy, or at nighttime, you still want security cameras to work. You still wanna be able to lower and raise the shades and things like that. You still wanna have the communication back to whether it's a security system or the smart home, you still want all these things to work, right? And so you do need energy storage. And so we've been working to design the product in a way that, you know, it can definitely run for days up to probably about a week. If it's not able to generate any energy, you know, let's say like you live in a climate where you're just like, Hey, look, I'm not going to see the sun for like a week on, on, on some months. Well, that's okay. You know, that's, that's kind of what we're planning for. And so, you know, we call it corner cases, right? Like we're taking like the worst possible place we can install our window, which is typically somewhere, you know, way up North north facing. So you're not seeing a lot of sunlight exposure on that. And it's maybe it's really cold half the year. That's a corner case for us, right? Like we want to make sure whatever we're developing and designing is going to work for that environment. Because if it works for that environment, it's going to easily work for all other environments.
1: Right. Now, when I first heard about these, I started to think about how these can fit into a bigger picture. Like when we think about all of the sources of renewable energy that exist out there, I was trying to think of like are these replacements for solar panels? Instead of getting solar panels on our house, we're now getting these windows? Or is this something that we're going to just be adding to the mix? I mean, I guess you've kind of addressed this a little bit, but it sounds to me like you guys are are thinking about it more as something that we add to the existing mix of renewables.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you picked up on that, Eugene. So it's exactly right. You know, we do not have any ambition or vision that this technology, this transparent solar technology, is here to replace existing, especially renewable energy technologies. We firmly believe we just need more <laughs> renewable energy generation, period. And so, right. yeah, we definitely see it as additive, right? Especially for homes when you think about, you know, traditional rooftop solar, you know, we think this is a great compliment, right? This is just another extension. This is just another way you can get renewable energy. And, you, you know, similarly for, you know, commercial use and similarly for, you, you know, even farming and uh, agriculture because, you know, we are starting to see Uh, some use of what they call like dual uh dual farmland use right where you have solar panels and underneath or around you have farmland right and so we think of this just as being additive and you know our, our our belief is always like always look at traditional technologies and what exists because if those work and they meet the needs and you know it's at the cost point and everything makes sense do it but if you have windows and typically most structures people want windows whether it's a home or a building sure then then why not use windows with our technology just just get more right i mean more more in this case for us is better right and so you're exactly right we com- we think of it as completely complementary they could work together as well potentially and you, you know it's a complementary right we're not saying this is here to replace anything else hopefully this is here just to add on to you know the arsenal of these different renewable energy technologies we just have as a you know des- from the design standpoint for customers and and society as a whole right because we need all these things to kind of get to where we want to get to
1: yeah no that definitely makes a lot of sense i feel like too i mean you already mentioned a couple of the other applications other than you know buildings you had mentioned cars and cell phones i imagine that there have to be some creative applications for these that that most people don't ordinarily think of i'm just I'm trying to think of like, where else can we put it? You guys must have had some crazy or wild ideas. What what are some of the more like wild ideas you've thought of as applications or maybe uh, well, somebody we, in your team?
0: Yeah, well maybe, maybe not. I would say maybe not so wild technically, but, you know, we've thought about and we we still, I would say, continue to get a little bit of interest around like, well, hey, if this is a transparent solar coating. Can you put this on a, a traditional solar panel and get even more solar energy, right? So, you know, we've thought about things like that. You know, we think there's we don't think there's that much value to be gained there just because of the fact to the I don't want to bore you again with the physics, but the way that the physics works, we're we we're, we're absorbing the same non-visible light energy as the traditional technology is absorbing. So we're kind of cannibalizing if we're gonna kind of, you know, marry the two together. So it doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, there might be something there in the future where it could maybe make the underlying solar panel more efficient by keeping it cooler, you know, things like that. But those are, you know, we don't think there's tremendous value to be gained there. we think it's really incremental and not really where we think the value of our technology is. But other application spaces, yeah, it's, uh, you know, we, we've gotten an interest for a lot of different ones, as you can imagine, all having to do with, hey, I need, uh, what if you could just power this thing like in some remote area, you know? So think about like things like, um, we've had some interest from, I, I, I don't, I don't want to try to think of a way I can say this without... But, <laughs> identifying who it is. But we've had some people in the kind of you know defense military kind of industry come to us with some pretty interesting concepts and proposals. Really? About where they think would be really cool to put this kind of technology. Because um probably can't say too much, but you know, just think about like if you're out in the field and you're out let's take an easier example. Like you're out hiking or camping or something like that. Right. And you're like you you can't get power anywhere. And And it doesn't make a lot of sense to be identified potentially by using some other traditional technology that's visible. What if you could put like this, you know, you know, this like tent up essentially that's transparent or camouflage it. And so you're able to get this renewable energy, but you're not, you're not going to be able to get detected or seen. You know, those are kind of some of the things that are like, Oh, that's pretty interesting. I never would have thought of that. You know, that's not a use case I ever would imagine needing, but you know, there's you know, there's a need for things like that. So that's probably one of the ones I would say that's pretty out there <laughs> that, that I've uh, that I've heard about. But you know, e- even things like, you know, well, what if we could just like put a film or you know, some thing like out, something like this out there like you're starting to hear, I think, a little bit more about these, they kind of like floating solar farms, right? So solar panels that are floating out in, you know, offshore somewhere on a lake. Well, what if you could make those transparent, right? Because then you can still, you know, preserve the nice nature and the aesthetic of the lake and stuff like, or the what the water is, right? So, you know, that, that one's pretty interesting. I don't know if yeah. it's like a great value, right? Because <laughs> it's not like, it's not like the fish really or the, or the animals need to, you know, see up through through that stuff. But... For us really, when we think about our technology, we always really go back to one of our main values and, and value you know differentiators that we're bringing with our technology. And we always think about it from the aesthetics, the, the visual and the transparency. If it's somewhere that you really wanna maintain the aesthetics and the visual part of it, the transparency, that's a great fit for our technology. In other places like on the rooftop, you don't really care if your solar panels on the roof are transparent because you still have a roof, you can't see through it or over it, right? And so it doesn't make too much sense. And so again, for us, we think it's complimentary, but again, we're we're tending to focus more on areas where we think it's really critical that it needs to be aesthetically pleasing, it needs to be transparent. Windows are one of those exact applications and products that you need to be really visually appealing and you need to be really transparent because, that's a window, right? People want to see in and out of a window. Otherwise, you end up with something that doesn't look very nice and you can't really see through. And that's not a window anymore, right?
1: Right. Yeah. No, there are definitely some some areas where people can get wildly creative with these things. I knew that there had to be something that you had heard of yeah. that of people trying to apply them.
0: Even think about like, right? Um, stuff like that, right? So, right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It must be so exciting to kind of work on this new technology like that do do you find that everyone working at ubiquitous are are kind of there because they're really excited about the technology or or maybe fighting climate change or being on that fighting the front lines of fighting climate change a little bit of both what do you find like the community is like there
0: i think so right I, i mean I think the people that we have, our team is is really believes in what we're doing, first of all. Otherwise they probably wouldn't be, you know, working for us. You know, they could the people that we have are super smart, super intelligent, super really nice, you know, friendly people to work with. So I don't have any hesitation that they couldn't get a job anywhere else if they really wanted to. But I think what really attracts them to where we are, and I think a little bit to testament to the people that have remained with the company since you know, very, the very early days and, you know, several years, you know, my, myself, I've been at the company almost six years. Oh, which wow. When you think about a company like ours, you know, not many people stick around that long these days. You know, sure, yeah. companies. And so I think it's a little bit of a testament to, yeah, a little bit about, you know, the vision and the belief in the technology, but then also that we really think our technology has a tremendous impact, a positive impact to play in terms of, you know, making things more sustainable, more environmentally friendly, really fighting, you know, to your point, climate change, you know, that's not the only thing, you know, it is really fun, you know, me personally, it is really fun to work with new technology, and to figure out to how to get it to the market, because that's one of the funnest, you know, journeys, I think that anyone can ever, you know, partake on, it's, it's kind of like if you're building a new product, you know, from scratch, and if you built that thing, and you can go and tell people, hey, go buy that product. I, you know, I had a hand in making that product and people are buying it and using it. You know, That's one of the most rewarding things I think anybody can ever feel. And you know, I've done that at a company I was previously at where we were working on some pretty novel technology and we ended up using it for displays. Um, and then back to I know our conversation earlier before we started talking here today around like, you know, I know you spent some time in Korea and Japan and I have also because of the display industry. And that journey that I saw was just so fun, you know, taking technology and trying to figure out, like, how are we actually going to commercialize this, get this to the market, to, to now saying, like, I can point people to, hey, if you have a Samsung TV or an LG TV, you know, I had a small hand in making the technology that's in that device, right? And so, similarly, similarly, with our technology, you know, I hope to... I can already go and point people to, hey, if you're in New York, go see this building. If you're in Colorado, go see this building. If you're in Tokyo, go see this. That's our technology. Our windows are installing those buildings. And that's really rewarding. It's probably even more rewarding for our founders, I'm sure, from you know when they basically came up with this concept while they were at MIT to even seeing it to where it is now. But we're also excited just to just to be able to point to people to be like, go buy it, you can buy windows like this. Now, you know, it's this this isn't, uh, this isn't like a dream. This isn't in development, it's actually going to happen, it's going to be there. And that's super exciting. And I think that's what you know, what really is uh, motivates uh, our our entire team.
1: Right? Yeah, it's definitely super exciting to be working on something like some kind of new technology like that. Do you think about the environment too, at all, like as you develop this product and think about, oh man, this is going to be taking down climate change or anything like that.
0: hundred percent. I mean, we think about it from, you know, the whole, what I would call the supply chain or value chain. You know, one thing um, that I don't want to uh, say is bad or anything, you know, I've seen these things where it's like, oh, look at this, you know, great thing we've created and it's done kind of similar to like how electric I'll pick on electric cars or even though I'm a really firm believer in electric car and I have one how electric cars first started, right, when they were first manufactured, you know, I think a number of people, you know, wrote these articles and did these studies that the amount of damage manufacturing an electric car at the scale they were manufacturing at before is worse than actually producing, you know, traditional combustion engine vehicle because of just the scale they were at and just how much energy goes into making that electric car. But hopefully now i think the tide has turned right i think now you're just seeing electric car companies come up everybody's gonna start producing them and so i think i think that equation has shifted a little bit and so when we think about our technology it's not only good enough for it to be you know operationally working well in terms of you know creating renewable energy but from the start you know from the materials we use to the way it's manufactured and that's really important for us and so the materials that we actually use to you know make our technology you know, are all really friendly, environmentally safe, non-hazardous, non-toxic, and everything in our process is like that, right? And that's really important for us because, you know, we don't want to be, you know, saying one thing to the market in terms of a product, but then doing something else, you know, to get that to happen. You know, we really want this to be pretty sustainable, you know, throughout the whole process.
1: Right. Yeah, one of the things that on this show, we talk to a lot of different people who are working in different areas of of technology or climate solutions or environment. And one thing that we find is that everybody that we talk to has a very unique feeling, a unique meaning of of what the environment means to them. And I was wondering for, for you specifically, what does the environment mean to you? Do you have like a specific memory? Do you think of something when you hear environment? Is there something that's maybe personal to you? Something that you think of when you think about what the environment is?
0: Yeah, there's, uh, <laughs> there's so many that comes to mind, but I'll, I'll give you a recency bias one. Because um, I, uh, I took my, my family up to Lake Tahoe just a couple of weekends ago. And if people aren't familiar, Lake Tahoe is a phenomenal area, you know, on the border of Nevada, California created um, in the you know, Sierra Nevada mountain mountain range, beautiful lake, right? Um, and it's been that way for hundreds of years. And so what's happened over time now is pollution has started to reduce the clarity and the purity of the lake. And the lake, the lake historically has been very clear and very blue because of just the way it's been um, kind of formed over time, over thousands of years. And that's because the watershed is really small. And it's really just natural rainfall and snowfall that like gets in there. Uh, but over time, as commercialization has happened and construction has happened near the shore, microplastics and all these things have gotten into the lake. And so it started to reduce the, not only the clarity, but also the, the whole ecosystem in terms of the wildlife you know, for the lake. And so that's something that I think the you know, different environmental groups and people on, even from an academic side, like people from UC uh, Davis are, are trying to help you know, bring awareness and education around of how what's happening and how we can stop this, right? And one thing people always point to is, you know, single use plastics, right? I mean, I think you're gonna hear more and more about this and how really damaging single plastic use, th- uh, sorry, single use plastics are to our environment uh, because they're not really recyclable, right? I actually learned something new, which is great because I took my kids to the science center there at Lake Tahoe, you know, 9% of all the materials that we actually put in our recycling bin that we think are getting recycled are recycled, 9%. That means 9% of everything you put in your recycling bin actually gets recycled. The rest of it goes to the landfill, which is pretty astonishing, right? So it's, it's like, all, it's literally, we're not recycling really anything if you think about it, you know, global perspective. So when I think about environment, you know, I think about, you know, the things that, you know, you know, people think about today, right, Uh, things like climate change, you know, I, I don't think anybody can anymore deny what's been happening and continues to happen. And frankly, what's scary is at the rate that it's accelerating and it's happening, right? So when you take a look at things like Lake Tahoe, for hundreds of years, it looked just the way it looked. It's only really in the last 40, 50 years when we started tracking things that we're starting to realize hey, this is like an unsustainable rate of getting bad, because if it was like this, even before it would be completely, you know, completely different. And so to me, when I look around, you know, just to our environment, like, you know, I like to be outdoors a lot. I like to, you know, we live, we're fortunate, enough, we live in an area right off the, uh, the Bay Area, uh, right next to the water. We go out to the water and see, and I haven't noticed specifically in this area, where things have visually changed, but in a short period of time, I know a number of people have told me about, hey, 20 years ago, water level, it didn't used to be here, or, you know, just take a look at what's happening in California. There's actually something we call a wildfire season now. You know, growing up here, wildfires happen, but they were pretty rare. Now it's every summer you can bet there's going to be a wildfire season, which is really damaging not only to our environment, but destroys a lot of, you know, structures, a lot of communities, a lot of homes. Has real big economic and you know human impact, and these all things are happening as a result of what is happening to the environment. You know, um, I think somebody put it best. I'll probably mess up the quote. Is, you know, we we're we were put here to kind of protect the earth and make it better, and here we are the last hundred years, just really just like treating it like it's like we don't care about it, like it's just going to be gone tomorrow. And if we continue to keep doing the things we're doing that's what's going to happen right and so you know all these things the whole political thing is a different side you know the COP26 and all this stuff and we'll see if something happens but hopefully there's enough activism just around the world for people who actually just want to get solutions implemented versus talking about it and i'm really optimistic that we're actually starting to see that change right we're actually starting to see more people actually do things right like let's go out and plant a tree. Let's go out and, you know, clean up, um, you know, the levee here, you know, there's, let's go clean up all that garbage, you know, let's just go not because somebody, you know, I got in trouble or somebody forcing me to do it. It's because I want to do something, right? I want to do my part. And if everybody does their small part, you know, how much tremendous impact we can have just because of the scale, you know, globally that we can do that, as a as a group together.
1: Yeah, definitely. When you talk about the climate change, the sea level rise that you heard about when you hear about the plastics that only nine percent is getting recycled when you saw that lake in lake tahoe i wonder how did it make you feel
0: it it made you feel kind of pretty bad right because you're like and and i took my dad um who's who's seven years old right and so he's he's seen he's you know he's seen a lot much more in his life and he's seen a lot of change more in his life You, you know something back to you know what does it mean for environment he literally came back from that trip and he's like we're not using plastic anymore in, in my house, right? You know, and, <laughs> and I live pretty close to him, and so you know, when you know when people come over, and it's like instead of doing dishes, right, you'll put out you know plastic utensils, all this stuff, and he's like, "We're not using plastic cups anymore." We're not, and I was like, "And this is something I've never seen him do, you know, in his life, right?" And so he he saw, I I, I think it was a realization to him because he's been taking me to Lake Tahoe since I was a kid. And now, you know, when we went, we went with my kids who are his grandchildren and he's kind of seen the impact firsthand. And he's probably thinking back, like, look, there's so much we can do. And he's like, he's putting his foot down, which is like pretty commendable. I couldn't believe it because he's not that kind of person that, you know, just does stuff like that and believes like, oh, we should do this because of the impact it's going to have on the environment. But if it's, if, if he sees it and he can do it, that gives me a real optimism and hope that basically anybody can do it, right? And it's not, and it's not just for people who really firmly believe it or have, you know, different beliefs or whatever. Everybody can do their small little part to kind of help, because that's that's really what it's going to take. You know, it's not going to be just one law, or one political action, or one country doing something. It's going to take the whole global society. Um, you know, it's it's funny. You, you know, one joke I remember uh, talking about is somebody was talking about um, something to do with manufacturing um, out in the Midwest. And they said, yeah, you know, California is a really hard place to manufacture, and they have all these tight, you know, environmental regulatory controls. And I was like, yeah, you know, it, it, it's just too bad that California—we just can't keep the California air within us, right? Um, meaning that obviously, whatever we do is impacting whatever happens in the Midwest, it's happening in Europe, and vice versa, right? So we can do what we can do from a regulatory standpoint, but it doesn't help too much if not not everybody else is going to do it because we can't really just block off our air and live in a dome, right, in California and say, hey, don't mess with our air, right? It's all, it's all global air, right? So I, I always, always think about it and find that funny, but you know, realistically, that's what it's gonna take, right? And hopefully, you know, we'll start to see this over time, just better better regulation, you know, better you know, policy in place that people are, it's realistic and people actually believe in and can and take action on.
1: Sure. Now we're running a little short on time and I want to be respectful of your time here. So I'll start to kind of wrap this up a little bit, but from what I'm hearing, I'm hearing like a little bit, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm hearing like a little bit of a little bit of disappointment, but I'm also hearing that you want more action and that you want to do more. And based on that feeling, um, this is totally optional, but is there something that you could think of that you could do? to act on that feeling. Now, it doesn't have to be the biggest thing or the most important thing. I'm not going to try to tell you to solve climate change overnight or anything like that. It's not about the size of the action. It's not about whether you're doing something huge or really, really tiny. It's just that it's something that is meaningful to you to act on something that you care about. Yeah.
0: Well, it's hard for me to just say one. So I'll give you a couple, right? (laughs) Or maybe I'll give you one is kind of picking up off of the story I I told about my father about, hey, let's not use single use plastic, uh, plastic wear anymore, whether it's, you know, dishes, plastic dishes, or plastic utensils. Um, That's something, you know, I've I've told my wife about, let's start trying to implement that. That's one thing, obviously, people can do. And, And there's some great things happening in terms of things that are biodegradable, that are just like plastic, but are recyclable, or they can be biodegraded, right? That that people should to use. And so I've told my so we're looking into more of those things now as well. You know, one other thing I think you know I I try to do probably not as much as I would like to do, but I encourage people to do is is volunteer for things like hey you know there's a trash pickup you know this day we're going to try to clean up the levee um, and things like this. That's I find that always really inspiring and really you know might not sound sexy and fun, but it makes a big impact right when you do those things because all that stuff, if you don't pick it up, is going to go somewhere, right? And it's going to impact something along the whole ecosystem the, you know, the, the food chain or whatever, right? Get into the waterway, get into oceans, rivers, all that stuff, right? So that's one. And the third one is, I would say, really just, this is the most simple thing, I think, but um, something that people don't really think about, just educate yourself, right? Um, not everything you be- you hear or you read is true. So educate yourself, you know, do some do some of your own research and make sure you know, it satisfies, it satisfy you, satisfy you. Be curious, right? And so look into things. And for us, it's like, back to our technology and our company, it's like, hey people, we've been using Windows for those thousands and hundreds of years just to have this look out to the world. What if we could make that surface do something more and something more sustainable, environmentally beneficial for us all? What, you know, shouldn't we do that? And so in a small biased way, that's a way for me to say, let's use more of our technology. Let's use more renewable energy generation technology in general, right? To get off of this reliance that we have on carbon, you know, fossil fuels and all these kind of things, because the science is pretty sound. It's pretty there. We need to reduce our carbon footprint. And those are the ways that we're going to do it. Right. And so let's all, let's all get together and, and make it happen.
1: Sure. I wonder, is there any chance I could get you to take on one of those challenges and maybe maybe have a little quick follow-up chat at some point in the future and see if you want to actually take on one of those
0: hundred percent hundred percent um like I said um the 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 we call it the levy pickup here but the trash pickup volunteering and, and and I would say for sure that the plastic the single-use plastic one is it, really resonated with me just because of the way I've seen it resonate with my father so yeah definitely go to things that are more uh environmentally friendly than cool. plastics.
1: <laughs> all right our goal is to make it a smart goal so i don't know if you've heard of smart goals before but specific measurable achievable realistic yeah yeah how much would you want to do how long do you want to do it for is it something you just want to try for the short term is it something you want to make a permanent change what's some way that we could make it a smart goal so that we can define when you've completed it or not
0: yeah so Ideally, this would be a permanent change for me, right? The gain rid of these plastics. I think ideally it's going to happen uh, or not idea, Realistically, it will happen over time. So I think we'll transition to something that's like hopefully a lot more recyclable, like the biodegradable stuff. But to, to me even, it's like, I think that's a good starting point. But to me, it's finding even something that's even more potentially sustainable than that. So I think it's a permanent change. I don't know over what time frame it's going to happen, uh, but but let's say I'll, I'll put myself to the test. I'll say within the next six months, I want to make that as a permanent change. And I, and, and I think I want to show, I have young kids, I want to show, show it to them that this is what it means to, you, you know, uh, be accountable and make a change for the positive for something. And for them to see that and hopefully grow up with something like that, I think will be, will be a good kind of an education for them as well.
1: That sounds great. What would be the specific action that will have been completed by that 6-month mark? Will it will it be no single-use plastic in the house? Wow. Okay. All right. Well, I'd love to hear how that goes. How long do you think it would be until you feel like you've had a meaningful experience that you could talk about? Would it be like right there 6 months? Some people like to take a little bit more time to process.
0: I think so. I think it's gonna take a few months, right? Because because obviously we don't use single use plastics every day, right? Um, in the house. But you know, when like I said, when people do come over or when you're, you know, just in a bind or something and and you and you don't want to do dishes or something, right? You use those. So I think after a little while of not using them, I think that will be that will be a good time to kind of reflect on it and see and see how it's going.
1: Perfect. Well, I'd love to have you back at that time. No problem. Love to be back. Great. I would love to have you back on. Uh, where can people go to learn more about ubiquitous energy if they want to learn a little bit more?
0: Yeah, no, no, thank you. Thanks. Uh, so ubiquitous energy, the website, so it's ubiquitous. Um, it's a little bit hard to spell, so u b i q u i t o u s. energy. The no.com is just ubiquitous.energy. Go to our website. Um you can follow us on LinkedIn. On Instagram, on Twitter, and then you'll be hearing a lot more about this uh, pretty soon coming in the news from all the great stuff that we're working on, and really just commercializing in this you know this uh, you know window product first product application to the market. Um, so yeah, you know I'd love to be back on Eugene with you, and in six months, I'm sure I'm going to have a lot more great things to talk about. You know not only about our technology, but also on the personal side, you know on the environmental side, on the not using single-use plastics and stuff. And so, as you can tell, I'm pretty passionate about these kind of things in general. And I think a lot of the people that I know are as well. And so um, I think this is a great concept that you got going here, I, I, you, you, know, you know, put a challenge down. And so, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm really committed to, uh, to, to holding up my end of that bargain.
1: Great. Thank you very much. We really, really appreciate having you on. Are there any last things you want to tell the audience that I forgot to bring up that you wanted to say anything?
0: No, I think, uh, you know, I think at at some point or other, you you know, we kind of hit them, you know, during our conversation. So, you know, I don't want to harp on one thing or the other. But, you know, the the one thing I always leave, and this is what I've, um, you know, I've been on a couple other podcasts and people ask, you know, know, what's one thing you, you know you want people to do? And to me, it's really about education, right? If we're educated on stuff and, and you kind of dig into the facts, we'll make the right decisions, right? You, you know as a human race, we're smart enough. Um, and so it's really about dig into information, do your research. and if you don't know about something, educate yourself. you know if you don't know about renewable energy, what you can use, educate yourself. you know you don't know how to uh, make an impact to climate change, you know, educate yourself. you can plant a tree. you know you can you can do garbage pickup. you know you can do so many things. So I think that's the thing that I always hear from some people is, I'm one person. We're 7 billion plus people as a global society. What can I do to make an impact? And the answer is very simple. You can do a lot of things. You doing one thing is gonna go a long way because just what if every 7 billion of us does one thing? Imagine the impact it could have.
1: Definitely. I love it. Viral Hardif, thank you so much for coming on the show.
0: No problem. Thank you, Eugene. It was great. It was a lot of fun.
1: Finding new sources of energy that don't come from fossil fuels is critical We need every single one we can get. There's so much cool technology coming out these days and it gives me hope that we might eventually be able to completely rid our world of fossil fuel burning and reverse climate change. It's going to take a lot of smart and motivated people, but we're going to get there. Do you have any renewable energy sources at home? Try looking into solar systems. These days they're getting really affordable and generally pay for themselves within a few years. The faster we switch to renewables, the brighter our future will be. Thanks for listening, guys. This sustainable life, Solve for Nature, is managed, produced, and hosted by me, Eugene Bible from Verdant Growth, and edited by Christine Arabal from Wander Creatives. Thanks again to everyone for supporting the show, and until next time, stay sustainable. Hey guys, Eugene here, from Verdant Growth, and host of This Sustainable Life, Solve for Nature. I've been doing this podcast for a few months now, and I could use some help. I just don't have the time to edit episodes like I did during the pandemic, and I've had to hire an editor. I don't have enough to pay them for as many episodes as I'd like to do per month. If you're interested in supporting me and my podcast, try donating, one time or monthly. Even $1 helps. I love doing this show but I can't do it as much as I'd like without your help. If you can't donate, just hit that subscribe button or tell your friends. Me and the rest of the world could use your help. Let's work together to make this planet we call home a great place through sustainability. Thank you.